It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Uh, well, Rich, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Well, yes, it has been, and yeah. uh, excited to be living in strategic days such as these. Well, I tell you what, last week, as far as Kansas is concerned, it sure seems sad. Well, it and is sad. The, it's a huge disappointment on that value yeah. them both uh, amendment vote. But the battle mm. continues, and we'll continue to make a case for saving the and, lives of innocent preborn well, children. You see, the value them both was a constitutional mem- amendment to the Kansas State Constitution. Well, that really is a matter of some concern when when that's what's that's what's being proposed, isn't it? I don't think, I don't think very many people actually read the amendment. And I'll tell you this, what I saw in the media, what I saw in the media, and then the tons and tons and tons of money that Planned Parenthood poured into that, into the state, um, I'm just sure people were confused. And when you're confused and you're talking about an amendment, it's very easy to vote no. That's just an automatic reaction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And there was a ton of out-of-state money that poured into Kansas to sow that kind of confusion. Um, but really, the, the Kansas Constitution, there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is this is the Supreme Court in 2019 issued a ruling that discovered, so-called discovered, uh, an unlimited right to abortion in the Kansas Constitution that dates way back to the 1800s that nobody had discovered in all these many, many years. So they really invented uh, this uh, right to abortion. So the amendment was really to switch the Constitution back to its original meaning, which doesn't mention abortion, and then the legislature can regulate it as it sees fit. Uh, the, The legislature, of course, is elected by the people, and so the people have a voice in it. So it's a very, very unfortunate thing that the amendment failed, yeah, but well, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll have to see about retaining those uh, Supreme Court judges. Yeah, you know we'll we'll see we'll see on down the road, uh, won't we, folks? Because the babies, the babies, those who cannot speak for themselves, and now science, for goodness' sake, science has proven, without a question, that from the moment of conception. That little baby does exist. Mm -hmm. It's not tissue. It's not an appendix. It's not your big toe, for goodness sakes. It's a baby. That's right. And, of course, they want to deny that. They want to ignore that. They They never mention it. They don't want to follow Uh, the science there, do they? uh, But it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to know who really holds tomorrow because because, uh, the battle goes on. And uh, this is a real comfort to me, for sure. Listen to this. Now I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine. For its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry for the future. For I know what Jesus said And today I'll walk beside him For he knows what is ahead 
many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand But I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand I don't know about tomorrow It may bring me poverty But the one who feeds the sparrow Is the one who stands by me And the path that be my potion May be through the flame or flood But his presence goes before me And I'm covered, covered by his blood Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand But I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand But I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand Yes, I know who holds my hand. That's exactly right. I know who holds my hand. That that that's isn't that important? Right? Oh, that's very reassuring. You know, uh, Lawrence White, Doctor Lawrence White, the preacher from Houston, Texas, brought a message that I heard. And man, this is years ago. It just really touched my heart, and um, and so powerful. And so we arranged for him then to come and and bring that same message at um, a, a seminary, where we could then have our microphones hooked up and and all of the equipment necessary to capture that message. And. Um, I don't think there's anything that we've ever used on the complete story over the years that people request more than what he had to say. And, you know, maybe it resonated with me because I remember during World War II, see, you got to be an old-timer to remember World War II, but then the Holocaust and what was going on in Germany and what Hitler and the people that supported him. Let's not forget that, folks. And the people that supported him and were encouraged by him, and all of the things that he said, and 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 then the Holocaust. You see, people lost their lives. He didn't have regard for life any more than some of those in. Well, we let's face it, folks. Life of the unborn child is the life of a human being, and that's what Hitler was completely disregarding. A matter of fact, aggressively trying to take away from the people, uh, uh, the Jewish people and others. And uh, so when Lawrence White brought this message, it was so powerful and I really liked it. 
and other our listening audience also likes it. So I just thought it's a good time to remind our listeners that the battle is not new and it's not over. And listen to what Lawrence White had to say. Here it is. I've been traveling across the length and breadth of this great land over the last few years, talking primarily to pastors' groups, seeking to awaken and arouse God's spokesmen among us to be what God has called them to be, to preach his word without apology, without hesitation, without reluctance. And so I was very pleased to have the opportunity to take my two sons, Adam, who's 23, and Aaron, who's 20, with me on a trip to Germany. As a Lutheran Christian, that's where my historic and theological roots are, and I wanted the boys to see where they came from and to get some context, I guess you could call it, a setting in which to evaluate and assess what's happening in our country and in their lives. And so we flew out of Houston on Christmas Day. We landed in Berlin, and one afternoon we rented a van, and we drove out into the countryside about 35 kilometers or so northeast of Berlin to a little farming community called Oranienberg. Not much there, a couple of taverns, a couple of gas stations, a few houses. That's about it. Nobody would ever have heard of that little town were it not for the fact that Heinrich Himmler chose Oranienberg as the site of one of his prototype concentration camps. A horrible place called Sachsenhausen. That means the home of the Saxons. I took the boys there that day because I wanted them to see what had happened to this great Christian nation, this homeland of the Reformation, almost overnight. And the boys grew quiet as we walked across the vast expanse where the barracks once stood that held hundreds of thousands of prisoners. During the 12 years of the Hitlerreich, we saw the bales of human hair and the piles of children's shoes. We went to the medical laboratories where gruesome experiments were conducted on living human beings without anesthetic because they were not viewed as human because of their race or their language. And finally we walked to the back where far in the corner the crematorium once stood the oven where they burned the bodies of the dead. And out in front of it was a grotesque wrought iron statue of two emaciated inmates hauling the dead body of one of their cohorts toward the gaping doors of the oven. The building itself had actually collapsed. They'd buried so many people underneath it that the foundations had been undermined. But the metal supports that once held those ovens were still there. And as we came up there three days after Christmas, in front of the doorway to that crematorium, there was a withered Christmas wreath with a white ribbon on it. And the slogan on that ribbon said, from the Christians of Germany, we kneel before God in bitter regret and humble repentance, and we ask his forgiveness for the Jews and all the others who died in this place. And as we turn to walk away, out across the compound once again, my 20-year-old Aaron put his arm around me in the condescending way that sons have with their fathers. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, you need to keep giving those speeches that you've been giving. And I felt good. 
Because for the first time, my boys understood within the depths of their hearts what's happening in America today. But there in Sachsenhausen, for the very first time, they saw for themselves how much is at stake in our America and how desperately important these issues are and how much we stand to lose if we do not awaken and rouse ourselves quickly. That the people of God in Christ cannot disengage from the culture in which they live. We cannot withdraw to the comfortable security of our beautiful sanctuaries and sit in our padded pews while the world all around us goes to hell. For to do so is a betrayal of the Lord whose name we bear. And it is a denial of the power and the efficacy of his word, the word that he has given us to proclaim. In Germany, as here in the United States, one of the most clever tools in the enemy's arsenal used to silence and intimidate Christians, to drive them out of the public square, was the lie of the separation of church and state. There was a meeting held in the German capital city of Berlin in 1934. Hitler had been chancellor for just over a year at that point. He was taking the nation through a process which in German was called Gleichschaltung, that means coordination. Everything was being realigned in terms of national socialist philosophy, and that included the churches. And protests had begun to rise from the people of God about this interference in the church and its life. And so Hitler called together the most important preachers in the land, and he gathered them there at the Reichschancellery to reassure them and to intimidate them, if he could, to silence their criticism so that he could go on with his plans for the country. And Hitler moved through the crowd that day, patting the preachers on the back, making them feel important, smiling and reassuring. He told them their state subsidies would continue, their tax exemptions were secure, that the church had nothing to fear from a Nazi government. And finally, one brash young preacher who was there, Martin Niemöller was his name, had had enough. Today we'd call him politically incorrect. He was going to tell the truth, even if that truth was not popular. And he pushed his way to the front of the room until he stood eye to eye with the German dictator. And he said, Herr Hitler, our concern is not for the church. Jesus Christ will take care of his church. Our concern is for the soul of our nation. It was immediately evident that the brash young preacher spoke only for himself. As a chagrin, silence fell over that room. And his colleagues hustled him away from the front. Hitler, with a natural politician's instinct, saw that reaction, and he understood exactly what it meant. And he smiled as he said to himself, almost reflectively, the soul of Germany, you can leave that to me. And they did. They kept their religion and their politics strictly separate from one another. And as the innocent were slaughtered and the nation was led down the path to destruction, they looked the other way and they minded their own business, and their country was destroyed. I would submit to you today that we in America find ourselves in a frighteningly similar predicament. Once again, the innocent are being slaughtered in a 26-year holocaust that makes Hitler look like a humanitarian by comparison. Once again, the nation is being led down the path to destruction 
And once again, by and large, God's people are looking the other way. I don't have to tell anyone in this room tonight how far down that path to destruction we've already traveled. You see the evidence in families that are fractured and marriages that are broken in young people that lose their way and often their lives in a maze of alcohol and drugs in a culture that can no longer distinguish between lust and love that is willing to tolerate the vilest perversion as alternate acceptable lifestyle while pestilence stalks the land in public schools that have become facilitators for fornication and procurers for the abortionist knife in a nation that has lost the moral will to distinguish between that which is right and that which is wrong we know all too well how far down that road to destruction we have already gone and that's because in large part every time a Christian particularly a Christian pastor raises his voice on a matter of public policy the immediate hue and cry from the media from the political and educational elite and establishment is wait a minute we have the separation of church and state in this country you Christians you keep your morality to yourselves as history repeats itself, they smile reassuringly as they tell us the soul of America. You can leave that to us. And we have. Brothers and sisters, the time has come and is long since past when we stopped listening to and being immobilized by these lies from the father of lies. This is the genius of America. The recognition that a country like ours, a country where the people rule, must be a country where morality prevails. But that's not the kind of country that we have seen developing all around us every day. That's not the kind of country we read about when we pick up the newspapers every morning. America has forgotten who she is. And if she does not remember soon, it will be too late. In the 1830s, a French nobleman named Alexis de Tocqueville came from Europe to this new land to see what it was that gave America its vitality and its strength. And he toured across this country. He saw all that there was to see. And when it was done, he summed it up in these impassioned words. He said, I sought the key to the greatness and the genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields, in her boundless forests, in her rich mines, in her vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it in her democratic Congress and in her matchless constitution, but it was not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understood the secret of her genius and her power. America is great, de Tocqueville said, because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then she will also cease to be great. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is an offense to any people. There is that indissoluble connection between greatness and goodness upon which this country was built. We have severed that connection 
over the last few decades. We have sown the wind of immorality and we are reaping the whirlwind of destruction and death. And we, God's people in Christ, have been placed here by the Lord for such a time as this. America will not turn from the path of destruction until the Christians of this land stop blending in and going along. We have become a chameleon church. We can blend in anywhere. We can go along with anything, no matter how perverse it may be. Just so long as no one figures out that we are sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. For then we might have to endure the scorn and the ridicule of the world. We must stop compromising and yielding. We must be sure that it is the Lord Jesus for whom we stand. But of this one thing we can be absolutely certain. The Lord God Almighty hates the murder of innocent unborn children. We can win the next election or the next ten elections. We can balance the budget, we can reduce the deficit, we can bring down taxes and build the mightiest military machine on the face of the earth. But if we do not stop abortion, then God will destroy and God should destroy America. <laughs> abortion is an unholy altar that we have raised up to pagan gods of our own lust and greed and the blood of more than... 35 million innocent unborn children cries out to God for justice from the ground of America. And the day is coming soon when God will heed that cry. And when he does, woe to us. On that great day of reckoning, it will not be enough to say, Lord, we were in church every Sunday. We built great churches in your name. We raised millions of dollars in your name. On that great day of reckoning to those who stood silent while the killing went on, the Lord will say, Depart from me, you cursed ones, for I do not know you. But in the amazing grace, the incredible mercy and long-suffering of our wonderful God, that day has not yet come. America may have turned her back on God, but God, for some reason, has not yet turned his back on America. So let us work while it is still day, before the night comes, when no man can work. Let us rouse the Christians of this city and of this land to be what God has called and enabled them to be. The stinging salt that stops the decay of death. The shining light that dispels the darkness of doubt and despair. The gleaming city set high upon a hill. It stands as a beacon light of life and hope to this nation and to every nation. Let us learn from the mistakes of the past. Let us stand upon the word of God. Let us save this country that we claim to love. As we become involved in the process in this crucial moment that God has given us. God is placing before us a challenge before it is too late and I pray that we will find within the depths of our hearts and souls the courage and the faith to rise to that challenge and make the most of that opportunity it is within our power because God has placed it there 
It is within our grasp to change this America before it is too late, to snatch our country back from the brink of destruction. All the signs of the deadly decay all around us are unmistakably clear. Our nation's leaders wallow in decadence and deceit, while the polls tell us that people don't care, and apathy and indifference prevails. We must care as the people of God in Christ. We must be the salt and the light and the shining city. As Christians gathered here today, let us resolve not to repeat the mistakes of the past. Let us resolve not to allow evil men to triumph simply because good men have done nothing. Let us stand together as the people of God, bold in the confidence of the Spirit, and declare before our nation the soul of America. You can leave that to us. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Rich, uh, Rich, uh, that was Dr. Lawrence White of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. And, uh, and uh, that message but, is never more appropriate listen, than it is today. You know, I want to hear a couple of listener comments, Rich. Let's hear one. I love Bot Network, and I'm so thankful and appreciate you all for what you all are doing every day, getting the Word of God out letting us know about Christ. And I just thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Continue to do a great work in the Lord. God bless. All right. Well, let's have another one. Hi, my name is Randy, and I'm calling from Omaha, Nebraska. I want to say thank you so much for um, Bar Radio. I have uh, listened to you all for years and years now. I just want to say thank you all for great programming Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's have a lady. Okay. I've been listening to Bot Radio for about 30 years. I listened to it all the way to work, teaching school, and all the way home each day, and on my lunch hour. I have so many favorite programs. Thank you so very much mm. for the opportunity to listen to your radio station. Well, thank you, dear lady. And I'll tell you what, Rich, one more from a man, and then you give the number. One of the you know that I really appreciate your broadcast, and I'm 36 years old, and I've been listening for probably 10 years or so, or 15 years, actually. It's always uplifting. If I'm going through a struggle, I turn on Bot Radio Network, and it seems to always have a message directed right to me. So I appreciate your ministry. God bless. Well, dear gentlemen, we appreciate you very much. What's the number, Rich? Thank you for all of these listener comments. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call, 1-800-345-2621. That's 1-800-345-2621. Okay, well, that wraps it up. This is Dick Bott with this chapter, The Complete Story, with my son, Rich, and we'll see you later. <laughs> 